Today's episode is brought to you by Maestro Performance Products. Maestro Products are 100% organic hemp-based CBD balms and oils manufactured in the U.S., made to help relieve the joint and muscle strain associated with the physical demands of musical practice and performance. Maestro Performance Products, recovery for active musicians. Hey, Jason. I'm ready. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. Who's there? Dishes. Dishes who? Dishes Sean Connery. <laughs> Musician Mindset is a conversation series that extracts the performance and preparation thought process from world-class musicians, leaving you with wisdom and exercises to level up your musical journey. one hello hello <laughs> we're back and um welcome so our guest today is vanessa bryan <laughs> she's a singer a songwriter a producer and an entrepreneur vanessa has been featured as a background singer for acts such as adina menzel gwen stefani and most recently the killers she is the official vocal coach and arranger for kids bop and owns music lessons la a music school recording studio and vocal lessons and really one of the most professional, professional singers I've ever met. Uh, and we're really, really stoked to have you today. This has been a long time coming, so I'm glad we were able to hang out and, and make it happen. Yeah, and uh, before we, we even get into the questions, I had uh, pre-scripted a, a kind of comment that I was going to make about that uh, we we got to without even me me saying it which is that uh, we share a passion for scotch and whiskey together and we've uh, currently poured <laughs> some scotch and whiskey before the show we have so um like what got you into the, like the scotches and whiskeys i mean i'm i'm all about it but. um i just feel like i've spent a lot of time in my younger days performing in bars yeah and you tend to get a band tab mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and uh i took that as a moment to really try a lot of things and find out really what I really like. And I realized I didn't like any of the mixed foo-foo drinks, you know, not a fan of the light beers. Uh, whiskey really made me warm. <laughs> so whiskey <laughs> just tasted great. It just kind of became my drink. And um, when I was in music school, I had a teacher that said, when you're sick, make some whiskey, hot water, lemon, I've honey. Tried this. Yes. And uh, I just kind of took that as the go-ahead that whiskey is the drink of singers. I love it. It's not often you find women that just love scotches and whiskeys, like just neat and right to the point. It's so awesome. <laughs> yes, perfect, good. Uh, well, that being said, uh, let's get into actual some music stuff here. And I want to start with the question of what was the song or the moment that really sparked a passion about playing music? The song or the moment? You know... I uh, I grew up in a small town in Alaska, mm. and I had a very strict mom at the time. Um, you know, raised in in uh, the Philippines, she was military, and uh, I was forced into a lot of sports, um, dance, and schoolwork. So when I got home, I was pretty much sent to my room um, to do that. So I would take that time and listen to the radio and really kind of sing along, perform. I had all of these kind of like visions of me being in my own music video in my head. And I did that for years on my own. And I found out that I loved mimicking voices, 
great voices. And um, I remember, I think my passion really started with my first album that I ever bought, which happened to be on cassette tape, uh, which was Paula Abdul. Oh, nice. Spellbound. Yeah. <laughs> and I just loved the way she danced and I loved the way she performed and I loved mimicking her voice. And then uh, Reba McIntyre, um, Whitney Houston, Celine Dion is my number one, number one. I mean, what an incredible voice. Yeah. But it just... I realized that it took a lot of manipulation of my body and manipulation of how I held my voice in order to mimic these sounds and belt these melodies. And um, that just, I didn't realize that it was a thing until the eighth grade talent show. I thought everyone could sing. I didn't know it was special. I had no idea. And um, I sang Hero by Mariah Carey. And I just remember the the um, performing arts room erupting. <laughs> and I, I, that feeling, I will never forget it. Well, that how would you elation, describe it? That, it's, like, it's like you're breathing like such clean air for this moment. Everything is crisp. It's like you see your life so clearly in that moment. And I realized that that was the place that I belonged, you know? when you're a kid and you're going through all these things and you don't really feel like you belong and friends and social situations are also difficult. In that moment, I knew that I belonged on stage performing. Oh, I got goosebumps. So cool. (laughs) How how old were you for that? Um, It was eighth grade. Eighth grade, so you're like 13. And uh, I was singing before that. I had already, you know, started kind of like taking lessons and stuff, but I didn't really realize until that moment. You know, and then everyone would come up to me and be so amazed and be so, you know, complimentary and be so um, just positive towards me. And all I did was do something that I had been doing alone in my room for so long. You know, um, that's the moment I realized that this, you know, that made me feel good. It made other people feel good. Um, And I was like, there's something to this, you know. So when, when you were before you got to the stage no one had heard you sing like not even your mom or like nobody um my mom had my mom had heard me sing she's you know i like i said she's she was tough you know so mm-hmm. like there was no like oh my gosh this is great we should da 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 you know yeah. like there was none of that um and in alaska small town like we really didn't really have a whole lot of places to kind of uh do music or perform and I was in choir at the time so choir voices like you really have to blend in with the people around you you round out so that like you know 40 voices sound like one I mean that's that was the point of that so when it came down to singing solo that was kind of the first moment I really did that in front of my peers Mm -hmm. you know in front of anyone Mm -hmm. And um, after that, like I, I sang everywhere. I found any stage I could. I was singing the national anthem at everything, you know, like sporting events, um, the teacher's luncheon tea that happened to be in the library, you know, like, uh, you know, music uh, shows that were like in the mall, talent searches, all those things. I couldn't stop doing. I couldn't stop finding a stage. Was it because that you you were you're kind of chasing that high of that first reaction, or that you wanted to get out there and try and make a career of it? What was the the intention behind that? 
I just feel like I was doing it all the time in my free time anyways, and I didn't realize that there were outlets for me to truly, you know, kind of like put myself out there, you know? And for me, I was, like I said, you know, my mom really put me into a lot of sports. I was in a lot of teams. I was, you know, very competitive, and I like to, you know, kind of just perform in that way. But this was something that I really loved, mm-hmm. you know. And um, from there, I think uh, writing music-wise happened in high school when we were supposed to do some history paper. And I found out that my partner wrote, uh, played guitar. So we decided to write a song instead of a paper. Cool. And that started my grunge rock band <laughs> garage oh, band days please tell us the name what was the name of the group? please <laughs> my band was called trip the switch yes all right good it's <laughs> a good name we should start a- we should start asking guests what were their first band name yeah. was <laughs> i think mine name. was called missing pieces i believe that was the first band oh and, it's and, so emo hey I, I thought it was awesome until like like a kid at a, at a party we played it was like yeah you guys are missing pieces and missing talent (laughs) (gasps) oh no (laughs) you're like you're about to be missing a tooth (laughs) (laughs) noted oh Oh, okay so go on go on um okay so so the let, let me reframe it then what what i'm curious about is your your mindset before you sang in front of people and afterwards when you were singing before you know you went you went public with this you just thought everybody was good right everybody could sing and, mm-hmm. and did you know that you were good or or did you know like how, how did it feel i just want to unpack that a little bit more like you you thought everybody could sing yes. right you just it, so it was just natural for you it was, or was it good or bad or just it just was i want to get that i i think that I just knew that I loved it. Okay, it just made you feel good. Yes, I just knew that it made me feel good. I I loved learning new runs and new voices and how to really project and hold long notes and be be able to be soft and, and, you know, emotional. Like, I was so attached to this, um, this type of, of performing on my own, in my room, in the car, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, then my mom started really kind of listening to it um but i didn't i didn't realize that people not that not everyone could sing so when you did realize that did it change your perspective of your talent like did you did it like make you want to work harder at it appreciate it more like how how did if it did change your perception of what you were doing and what your gift is um I think that it shined a light on some of the artists that I really admired. It showed me that there was an industry for that and that they had worked for this and that they had created a life um, from from being able to sing, being able to write and all of those things. And when I realized that, um, I started taking vocal lessons. Mm. So um, I started really working hard on on my craft, I had dreams of being a rock star. I remember watching the very first 
um, American Idol and thinking like, oh, I could totally do that. You know, I owned everything on Blu-ray, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. American Idol season one. And um, actually, the funny thing is that's what brought me to L.A. Um, they were doing season two auditions mm-hmm. for American Idol. And I had just graduated from high school. And I flew to L.A., I did the American Idol auditions. I remember I got through to the third round before I was cut mm. and I was devastated. And I remember being told, hey, you have the voice, like you have the, the talent. Um, your voice is incredible. There's really nothing wrong with it other than the fact that you're just not what the show is looking for. And I didn't get it. When I, you know, I was still young. I was still, you know, small town right into L.A. I didn't realize I thought my dream is crushed. I'm going back to school. I'm going to be a lawyer. You know, um, I didn't realize that at the time what a monster Hollywood in L.A. can be, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I remember, I mean, I had all my family there, my moms, my aunties. They're all there to support me for this audition. And. I think I was just like, I just want to take a walk alone. Like, I just want to walk by myself. And so they finally let me like walk. And the auditions were based in a hotel right on Hollywood Boulevard, right by the Walk of Fame. So I started walking and looking at the stars and I walked right into the Musicians Institute. And I was like, I, what is this? You know, and I walked in and someone had talked to me and said, oh, are you interested? I was like, yeah, I want to I want to sing. So they gave me kind of like a tour of the school. And I came back to the hotel and I was like, I know what I want to do. This is what I want to do. And two weeks later, I was in classes. Amazing. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. So you turned you turned a, a perceived negative into a positive, yeah. and, mm-hmm. you know, and like you're like, I'm not going to be knocked down. I'm going to rise above and, and keep working on my craft and get better and better because this mm-hmm. is really what I want to do, uh, which is which is really cool. So was the that that uh, being cut on American Idol, was that the first time that you really experienced like a major setback in your career or what we could call failure? Or have you did you experience that like while you were in Alaska? Um, I think it was probably I mean, it was my first major audition mm-hmm. i didn't really audition in in alaska i, I mm-hmm. kind of i did some battle of the bands and and we were very popular um in in the underground scene there um so i was i i mean in alaska i was here i had i cut a record the only record that i've ever done to date um i heard myself on the radio i saw myself like underground uh television would come and record my shows i saw myself on tv you know um it was it was really nothing when you think about it now but back then it felt like i was a big fish in a little pond right and when i came to to la to do the american idol audition i was putting myself out there in a in a completely different way that i wasn't used to uh the band basically said if you go do this like it's over I mean, it, it was very dramatic for me. Sure. You know? So um, it was my very first burn. And looking back on it now, like I'm so thankful for these huge failures, right. you know, because whatever comes, I know how to um, preemptively uh, rehearse for these things and, you know, realize that 
the only thing that matters is, you know, how well you did, how well you do in the audition, how, how much did you put into it? And if it's, if the answer is not everything, I mean, you still have a lot of work to do, you know? So can you be more specific? What's your process that you uh, rehearse for auditions? Like, how do you prepare for that? I actually do a lot of visualization. Mm -hmm. Mm. And I learned this from being very young in my room. When I practice music, when I practice songs, I saw the stage. Mm -hmm. I saw the audience, you know? I saw the lights and I saw um, the adoration. You know, I would create all of this in my head and it would make me perform to that. Yeah, yeah. So when I so we'll say I have, you know, auditions now, I am already visualizing myself on stage. You know, now with YouTube and everything, I can watch live performances. I can see um, the style of the band, how they perform, how did the other... Um, background singers before me perform. You know, how would I do this differently? Mm -hmm. And I really perform in front of a mirror, which is one of the greatest things that my my mentor, my vocal coach kind of taught me was to perform in front of a mirror. Make yourself believe yourself. Mm -hmm. See see hmm. if there is light in your eyes. See if there's, you know, the joy emanating out of your performance. I visualize the entire performance. And I don't audition to the room, I audition to the stage. So when I go into the room and there's the casting directors and whatnot, everything kind of goes away and all I see is the stage and I see the audience. And that means that I can look and I can perform and to, to the bigger picture. And I know that the casting directors want to see you on stage. They don't want to see you in this room. They want to see you as that character or as that star. Yeah, as they're trying to singer. visualize at the same time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So what you have to do is is help them mm -hmm. visualize you on that stage. And the only way you can do that is to visualize yourself on that stage. This is very similar That's, to what Aubrey had talked about yeah. on our first episode, mm -hmm. visualizing like how everything is going to go. You mentioned that you did that you know, when you were younger in your, in your uh, bedroom. Mm -hmm. So this is an ability that you've had throughout your career, but have you, have you uh, strengthened that, that skill set at any way? Um, yes. I mean, I've added, um, it's, so much, it's so easy now to take video with your camera phones. I've added now kind of like videotaping my my audition or my performance or my practice and watching it back. You know, it's kind of the same thing as looking in the mirror, but sometimes you want to look elsewhere and perform out and look into the distance and, you know, use your stage, move around. I found that um, videotaping myself and watching that back mm -hmm. has been really helpful. Um, I... I do a lot more, um, throughout the years, I've learned a lot more technique and exercises. So I warm up now before I perform, which is before it's all rock and roll. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't care mm -hmm. about warming up my voice or anything. So now, you know, I really take that very seriously. So doing my warm ups, doing my exercises, making sure that I'm stretching beyond the highest note that I have to sing in, uh, in the audition knowing I've already sung, you know, four or five notes 
above this. I don't need to be worried about this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all about creating the mindset that you have done everything that you can do possibly to prepare for this audition so that when you go in there, you're not worried about, oh, what do I do here? How am I going to feel or blah, blah, blah. All you're worried about is the visual, the audition itself, your art, your craft, your ability to captivate your audience. Um, and that way, when you prepare in that way, I walk away knowing that I did everything that I could. And that's, I think that that's a huge win. And then when you mess up big time, if you do, you know, you learn a lot from that as well in your preparations for the next audition. So at the outset of our conversation here, I had said that you are probably the most professional, professional singer that I've ever worked with. And, <laughs> and this is what I mean. The first time that you and I uh, got together was in a rehearsal for, for an event that I, I put on annually. And you showed up. And without me even asking, you had all these extra instruments with you, and then you had everything charted. And I knew in that moment that I was like, this is the real deal. Like, we're going to be real, real good friends. <laughs> we, we understand each other. Um, because it, it, doing something on that level, like like your whole philosophy of how you treat yourself, whether the gig is small or, or large, it's the same approach every time. Dave, you do the same thing. I. It, it generates a respect in throughout the community and you know word gets around like this is a pro you know and this is what a pro does so how can someone that's at the beginning of their career start to do things like this if they're not thinking like that because it's, it's i've not come across many people uh specifically sim singers that that operate on the level that you're operating with um how can i how could a, a person just out of music college do start to think like this like what were some exercises that they could do or some real practical advice that they you would give them um i think that the main thing is respect if you love what you do you have to respect what you do and the knowledge i mean I feel like going to this contemporary music school um, like I did or anyone that goes to music school, you realize, I mean, maybe not right away, but fairly quickly, especially after you graduate, that these are the people who are going to be hiring you. These are the people that you're going to be working with because the, the music world is so word of mouth. No one cares if you have a degree. Nobody cares um, about the paperwork, right? It's all about have I worked with them and would I work with them again, mm -hmm. right? So in my kind of the way that I go about it is I respect my time and I respect my craft. So the way that people see me when I come in and I know my part, I know that it's appreciated. And especially with the situation that you're talking about, you have a lot of, of kids that are working really, really hard on specific arrangements. You know, who am I to come in there and mess that up? You know, it's very important for me, especially in that case, I realized this was not about me. This is about them. Oh, yeah. So if there is a, is a, a specific arrangement, I have to know that because I can't be the one to mess up that for them because I'm coming in as the professional, mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like respect is such a huge thing in this industry and it starts with yourself. Hell yeah. 
you know? Yeah. When you respect yourself and your craft and you respect the people around you's craft mm-hmm. and their time, mm-hmm. it is this mutual kind of like, okay, we are, I can trust you, yep. you know? Yep. So in the future, you know, this this life is very, you know, gig to gig, meeting different people. You want to always put your best foot forward. Especially, I'll, I'll go into a gig where I don't know anyone and that's when I know I have to be completely on my, on my game, you know? Mm-hmm. Because these people are people that will remember you in the future yeah. and that's how you gain this work and the only thing that ties everything together is respect you know yep. so i absolutely love everything you just yeah. said that's so <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah that's so spot on <laughs> i identify with so much of that and i i always say that too even on simple things like punctuality it's like respecting the other people's time that you would be on time because if when you're the one person late that's disrespectful that you're wasting everyone else's time and same with preparedness and Everything, all that, just spot on, awesome. That was great. Yeah, yeah. And also, one of the the coolest things I didn't realize into about myself until maybe I think someone gave me a really nice compliment about two and a half years ago, and it was, and he he says it now all the time, almost every time he sees me. But it's this drummer that I I work with very often, Ben Rose. And I remember I was working with him and a couple people I've never worked with before. And they're like, you're going to love Vanessa. She performs the same whether she's she's in a bar with two people or at Madison Square Gardens. Like, you won't believe this chick. Like, she just never, she's always performing like, you know, like it's the biggest show ever. And that was a huge compliment. I felt like, wow, you know, all of these years of just kind of, pushing myself you know it's almost like you, it's a game if you want to be better it's almost a game you have to play with yourself yeah you could be touring the world and then have this this restaurant gig you know you have to give everything to that environment as well you know it's so easy to get lost in the 800th time you played do you remember the 21st night of september you know but can you challenge yourself to remember that night like it's the first time every single time? Mm-hmm. Can you smell the air? Can you see the lights? Can you feel the magic of remembering the 21st night of September every single time? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's kind of a little thing that I had used throughout my career to push myself into and out of very uncomfortable situations, you know? Like you're going to find yourself in a situation where no one wants to listen to you. You're going to find yourself in these tiny little um, stages where no one showed up, you know, but can you use those moments to still give the best performance of your life? You know, and it's all about this internal uh, ego and being able to, you know, ego is not a bad thing. I mean, ego can be a bad thing, but sometimes you got to be able to take that ego and push it towards the greater good, Mm -hmm. which is getting over yourself (laughs) and just playing to, you don't know if the bartender that happens to be there is like, oh my gosh, like I'm feeling things, I really needed this. Like you don't know who that's going to affect. 
So, I mean, that was just one of the greatest compliments. And I never thought about it that way. I was just trying to push myself to be vulnerable every single time I got on stage. But it showed me that people, my peers, the people that I really respect, noticed that, you know. And so I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, amazing. That's great. Where does that philosophy come from? I, I resonate with what you're talking about here. Um, but I remember being a kid. I was really into sports and, and playing basketball. And I was uh, really just captiva- captivated by Michael Jordan and like how like the guy was just relentless. You know what I mean? He would just work so hard and it was just about winning, you know? At, at, and that that fire that you could see that he played with, that really motivated me uh, when I was playing sports. And then it continued to motivate me when I started to play music and now as a, as a business person. So was there a person or an event or something you read or a mentor that instilled this philosophy in you? Or is this just who you are at your core? You know, my immediate kind of reaction to that question, my my answer is kind of, I feel like sports. Yeah. I started doing sports at a really young age and I did it all throughout high school. And coaches, I feel like the coaches really pushed me for that. You know, I was, in, I was on the swim team the longest. So it's kind of an individual sport and you push to get that extra half a second. You push to get that extra half a second every single time you do this and you cross train and i i think the world of sports same as a kid i learned teamwork i learned being able to you know high five you know i did soccer as well high five the other team and say good job and being able to have this uh, camaraderie and the sportsmanship and the drive to get your personal best every single time you know, and then all of the work that goes into making sure that you can be better the next time you have, you know, a a, a, a swim meet or a game. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just lay back and wait for, for two weeks and then try to play better at the next game. You have to work yeah. consistently to try to improve on your time or try to improve on your speed or try to pr- improve on your strength. You know, and I did it for so long, it really became a part of me. I mean, I I honestly feel like that's my best answer to that question. Yeah, no, I completely understand that for yeah, sure. Coming into music, I mean, it is a completely different animal, but but you're, I feel like you can't truly make it very far as a working musician let's just go to that that part of of the industry a working musician unless you are have that sense of camaraderie with the people that you work with unless you are always trying to up your game so that you can make the whole band sound good and not just yourself it's it's kind of like a team sport you know um i just feel like you you have to really think about the music as a whole or the team as a whole and how you can change or make better your performance in order to just elevate the group or elevate the sound or elevate the energy in the room. 
Do you ever explore this topic with your students, your advanced students? Like, yes. do, do, you, do you see if they um, have a some kind of team, whether it be sports or something else background? And if they don't, how do you kind of get them thinking like this? Well, uh, I do, I have, I have kind of um, a visualization that I give them. And this is one that I use with almost every student when I try to kind of give them the idea of how they should be looking at their performance. Now, when, when, a, when a singer comes into vocal lessons, a lot of them really focus on the technique of it all, the exercises of it all, the pitch of it all. I can't hit that note. I, you know, every voice is different. So when people try to compare themselves to very specific singers, they can get really down on themselves. So what I tell them is, you know, I have all these different exercises to help them. I call them voice discovering exercises, voice strengthening exercises, you know, ear training exercises, all these things. I say, listen, we use the first half hour, you know, 20 minutes to half hour really doing these exercises. And I'm giving you the ones I want you to take home. You have to understand that you've got to trust your body. If you are doing these exercises, focus on the technique and all of those things while you're doing them. But when you're not doing exercises and it comes down to performance, all of that is out the window. I don't want you to think about it, okay? What matters is your connection to the song. You're a storyteller, okay? When you put together, you've got a five-piece band. You've got drums, you've got bass, you've got guitar, um, you've got keys, and you have the singer. The audience, almost 90% of them only understand the language of the singer because the singer is the human instrument. The singer is speaking their language, speaking words, okay? I mean... That's why usually, you know, the singers get famous and the band breaks up. But I, you know, I'm just saying that the audience is attached to the singer because they are saying, they're, they're speaking their language. So when you are a storyteller, you have to put yourself in the story and really tell it from this honest point of view. This is a whole nother exercise. So I tell them, I tell my students, you can go to the Staples Center, and, and, and it can be a sold-out show seeing the most incredible singer in the world doing all these vocal acrobatics, hitting every note, hitting all these things, but that's all it is, right? It's just all these vocal acrobatics, and, and, and you're kind of, you get bored after the first hour and a half, you get your money back and you go to the bar across the street where some old guy is singing the blues and crying in his whiskey and you feel something mm -hmm. because it's, it's not about the vocal acrobatics. It's about him telling the story that somebody can relate to, but telling it in a way that that would get an Academy Award, mm -hmm. you know, so your ability as a front man or woman, as a singer and as the human instrument, your job is to connect with the human beings in the audience and make them feel something. You have to reach into everybody's chest and pull out their heart 
and make it pump because so many people are are going through lives and these jobs and and they're feeling all this pain and they go you know to grab a drink with a friend and someone's there doing a, a show for $50 and your job no matter what is to have that person pay attention to you even if it's just for a minute and have them feel something you know that's why the world needs music mm-hmm. because it keeps people alive it keeps artistic hopes and dreams together it keeps people you know being able to like exit their life if it's not great you know and and kind of transform into someone who can dream a little bit, right? That, boys and girls, is yeah. how you become a professional. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So good, BB, so yeah. good. Um, okay, so a couple more questions here. I, I mean, that what you just said I mean, is, is eloquent and amazing. If someone asks you, what defines a professional musician? In one or two sentences, what is that for you? I would say know your shit, show up on time, be about the music, and be about the people who are listening and playing the music as well. I mean, if you are a musician in the first place, it's because you love music. So being able to show up on time, making sure that everything is ready, helping out the people around you and putting on a damn good show. I mean, I think that's that's basically it. Mm-hmm. You get to show up and have a good time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I connected to uh, with you through Dave. And uh, it, I mean, I'm always saying like around here that like game knows game. And it's just, it, it continues just to amaze me that the, the people that, that are, are in your circle and like everybody's on the same mindset. And uh, it's quite incredible uh, because you're a pro's pro you know and all the other people that have come in are pro's pro and it, and it's all everybody's got the same like mentality and yeah. for uh, just a note to the to the audience that uh if you're not we did the 25th episode which highlighted a bunch of the themes that we noticed mm-hmm. and and vanessa is hitting on almost all of the yeah, themes this could be the recap show <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it, exactly that, that we talked about so pay attention because this woman knows what she is talking about. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to Vanessa sing, uh, we'll, we'll give you, we'll uh, say your socials uh, in a second where where they can find you. I mean, it's amazing. It is, Aww. it is amazing. Yeah. Oh no, it's a truth. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a truth. Like the first time I heard you sing, I was like, "Hello, <laughs> how are we doing?" And she drinks scotch and whiskey. What? <laughs> uh, so anyhow. Um, what what are you currently working on musically? Like 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 what are you trying to improve? Well, currently I'm I've I've kind of pushed myself into a new space, um, challenging myself. I I did a Pro Tools certification course. Right, right. Wow. I've seen that. And uh, I've started arranging um, acapella performances for for a couple groups, and that's kind of been taken off, helping them. You know, helping these kids perform these acapellas, and that's kind of really new to me. I'm I'm working some other parts of my brain that I haven't touched since choir, um, and I actually just set up my first um, meeting with a producer for next week to actually release 
my original music, wow. which has been awesome. a now 15 years long dream. And it wow. seems to be that I can do everything except for mm -hmm. release my original music. It, for whatever reason, it's very scary to me. So I've actually put that in the works. Great. And hopefully 2020, yeah. we'll have some original music out there. What's the what's the style of it? Um, The style is actually very... Um, it's pop. You know, it's pop rock. Mm -hmm. And... Um, in some ways, very singer songwritery in terms of the writing, um, with some soulful vocals. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure what box to put it in, but um, we'll just call it good. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it put it in the good box. I just want to put it out into the world. Yeah. You know, and just just release uh, some of this music. So yeah, before awesome. before we wrap up, where can people find you? I know there's so many places and, and you have all these wonderful things going on, but what are the most common places that people can connect with you? Um, you can connect with me through my social media. Okay. So Instagram, I'm on the most. Um, I have at Vanessa underscore Brian with a Y. And then I also have my music school um, at Music Lesson LA. At Music Lesson LA. Any YouTube pages? Uh, No. Okay. Oh, yeah. We're getting there. Not yet. And we'll be on the lookout for music next year. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Okay, so parting words to the young musicians out there that are embarking on their journey. What do you want to say to them? I would say don't wait until you're ready. You're ready now. Hmm. Because you're going to grow so much faster if you just do what you want to do now. Get over yourself. Get over the fear and just be happy with knowing that something that you put out today, you'll get to see that a year from now, you know, and be like, that's where I was. And just honor where you are now. Mm -hmm. There's no time like the present. If you have a dream, if you have music in your soul, if you have anything that you want to try and it's scary, now's the best time to do it, especially if it's scary. Love it. Yeah. Dave, any closing words here? Well, I have actually several multiple things I want to talk to you about and ask you. And so I know we need to wrap it up. So I'm just going to say right now that Vanessa is going to be a return guest. Oh, yeah. I, I, have, like, I have five questions we didn't even get to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's like, yeah, sorry. honestly, so much stuff I want to talk about. But yeah, we got to go. So yeah, it, we'll, uh, do so, we'll do it again. So uh, be on the lookout for part two. But um what a pleasure it oh, has been having you, you here. thank you so much like, for asking yeah. me here. You're going to give uh, Nick a run for his money for return guests here <laughs> yeah, because right. we're, we're definitely having <laughs> you back. Okay, so um, I would suggest everybody listening go back and listen again because there was some awesome words of wisdom in there. And uh, we're going to go finish our scotches. Uh, yes. So we will catch you guys <laughs> next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Musician Mindset with Dave Johnstone and Jason Land. You can contact the show through Facebook and Instagram at Musician Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. 